Hey there, this is Larry, and I'm here with Armin. You're about to listen to a great episode. But before you do, we want to let you know that we're now podcasting over at the Bold Idea Podcast. That's right, and we're not adding any new episodes to Reinventure Me, but we think you're really going to like what we're doing on the Bold Idea Podcast. We're interviewing some great guests and packing ideas and inspiration to help you put your faith to work to bring your idea to life. So when you're done with this episode, go check it out at boldideapodcast.com. Episode 66 of the Reinventure Me Podcast. We've all had them, bosses who could lead better. Is it even possible to inspire better leadership from our bosses? Well, we're going to talk about that in today's episode of Reinventure Me. Find your next great beginning. Welcome to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 66. This is the root. 66. <laughs> I gosh, that was so lame, all right? I almost feel like we should start over, but we won't because sometimes we just do lame stuff. Hi, hi, I'm Larry Gates. And this is Armin Asadi. And we're bringing you the podcast for what's next in life, and we're going to just skip over what we just did. Along and, with some lame lines once in a while. Exactly, exactly. Well, we're here to help you discover new ways to reinvent your life, your podcasts, your your. <laughs> your your opportunities and the ventures God's called you into because this is the Reinventure Me podcast. How are you doing, Armin? I'm good, Larry. How oh, are you? I think I'm punch drunk or slap happy or <laughs> something. <laughs> it's entertaining. I like it. <laughs> you know, I meant to mention this before we get into this episode. A couple of episodes ago, we interviewed Chuck Stecker, you know, my friend. Oh, my gosh. Wasn't that a good interview? Life-changing paradigm shift. Yeah, and he really talked about moving from this mindset of being a legend and think about legacy. And yeah. it's just really good. Now we had one of our listeners to the show put out what I think was really a brilliant challenge me that we didn't think of. And I think it was Penny that said, Hey, I sat down after that episode and wrote out the eulogy that I would want to have. Oh, that's right. Me. I saw that. Yeah. And I think that's a great idea. Yeah. That, what a terrific challenge me. So if you're catching up and you're listening sequential, or if you missed that episode, go back and listen to it. And then our challenge me a couple of episodes belated, <laughs> right? Is write your eulogy. Yeah. What a neat thing to do. Yeah. I'll probably not do that. <laughs> Too depressing, huh? Yeah. <laughs> that's a great idea. But though. what an what an inspirational way to think forward about how you want to be remembered. And right. I think it really ties in nice to that. So well, this show, if you're tuning in here, this show, we want to talk about how to get better leadership from your boss. Now, this is Yikes. one of those areas where, you know, there's all the horrible bosses shows and movies and everything right. else that's been about that. And you don't have to read too many Dilbert cartoons to know that you can have some <laughs> pretty uninspired leadership from bosses. Oh, geez, yeah. And that can create some real tension. But yeah. before we dive into that, why don't we tee up an Inspire Me quote? Yeah, let's do it. So this is by Thomas A. Kempis. He's a 15th century archbishop and author of the infamous book, The Imitation of Christ. He says, be not angry that you cannot make others as you wish them to be, since you cannot make yourself as you wish to be. Mm -hmm. 
I almost wanted to use a accent of some kind, but <laughs> yeah. I'm terrible at them, so I just decided not to. <laughs> well, I'm glad you didn't because it'd probably be at least on par with my opener. So <laughs> save our. Dignity. I don't know if we can do two lame things at once on the same podcast. We're going to be stressing our audience. But you know, I really like this quote from the perspective of you know we often want to change the world, and as Leo Tolstoy said, we don't want to change, change ourselves. ourselves. Yeah, and really. How poignant is that when mm-hmm. it comes to the people that we work for? Yeah. It can be some of the most frustrating experiences that we have yeah. in our career life yeah. is to have a situation where you're just working for a turkey, you know? Uh, yep. As somebody once said, you know, it's hard to soar with eagles when you're surrounded by turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> I love that quote. That's amazing. It's true. You're hoping to be inspired where you work, but yeah. it could be that you're working for either an overbearing boss or one that is not communicative. I'm coaching people that are working through those various situations where they're highly demanding. They may even be passive aggressive. I've had those experiences myself. And uh, you go, how do I coach upward to help my boss build emotional intelligence? And if you haven't listened to our two episodes on that, you probably want to listen to that. But I think that's a key yeah. challenge and question for people. Have you, You've had that experience, haven't you? Oh, my gosh, yeah. I mean, ironically, more so in ministry than business. But- yeah. Yeah, I've definitely had it. You don't know what to do. But you just sit there and you think about it and you think, is it me? And then you question everything that you do. So you try to change yourself in every way, but everything still remains the same. So you think, do I just not belong here? And it's such a vicious cycle, but you never want to think that maybe it's your boss, right? Because if you're always taking responsibility for yourself... And then eventually when you think it's your leader, then you think, what well, what can I do to make him better? And then you check out right away because you think, I have no power. I have no influence over him, which is the biggest mistake that you can make. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the challenge, of course, is that oftentimes it's not just revolving around one person. It, right. it is a system of belief. Perhaps it's in the organization, a culture. And that's, I think, what you're describing when you're right describing a ministry setting. And many times I've seen this myself, that those are sometimes the hardest organizations to work in because there's kind of this implicit way in which we're both family and organization. And which one you shift into kind of depends on what's the most expedient position to hold, depending on what you're trying to accomplish. And it can get very frustrating. We should probably do a whole episode just around how to be effective within a ministry organization, because I think it is its own animal. Oh, geez. And of course, you know, we're being a little bit generalizing here because of course there's healthy organizations in ministry and there's healthy organizations in business but when they get unhealthy they can get unhealthy in a hurry and it can be a real real challenge so we want to talk today about how can you possibly mentor upwards with maybe without your boss realizing that you're coaching leading them along because you may not have the luxury of being able to do that in fact some people may not even see their bosses uh, very often i know a number of people who work for people who are in different geographic locales or so busy that they rarely get any time or direction from them and when they do it's confusing and frustrating and maybe even contradictory And you know that as a leader in an organization, you're concerned about how you build your own leadership skills and how you lead your group. And yet part of what you know you're trying to do is shield your group from toxic leadership that's out there. Yeah. And that's one of the things that you go, okay, so I'm spending all my time just keeping my group sane and trying to shield all the garbage that's out in the organization from affecting my own organization 
And yet, is it even possible right. to make a change going up? I guess the key question is, how do you gain influence with your leaders, especially if you're not aligned? That is kind of the key question, because you really have to start with the only way someone can change is if they trust you enough with whatever input that you give them that they start to see that, oh, there's a value for me to change. And in order to get that trust, you have to have influence. In order to gain that influence with your leader and change them, you have to engage in a trusted relationship with them. They've got to be able to open up and know that you have their interest at heart. If they believe that you don't have their interest at heart and that you're only after your own interest, it's going to be difficult for them to receive something from you. Because yeah. there's so many challenges that leaders have. You know if you're leading in your own organization that you've got many, many challenges. Your boss, notwithstanding, being one of those challenges. Mm -hmm. But if you are empathetic and know that he or she also has challenges, I think that's going to be really critical. So I would say the first thing you have to do here, and you know, we've talked a lot about mindset, right? Yeah. And just adopting perspective and even the perspective from the episode we talked about a couple of weeks ago is a shift in mindset in terms of how you think about life. And the mindset here that we have to recover is an old mindset that the Bible talks about. And it's really, we have to look at how do we change to be adaptable in such a way that we can be winsome. In other words, if we are trying to influence our culture and influence the leadership in our culture, we have to find ways to be winsome to them. Mm. And we interviewed, and we'll have this out next week, but we interviewed Larry Julian, and he talks about this idea of passport, and that's the same thing. You have to earn the respect and earn the trust in order for you to speak into their lives. You know, the Apostle Paul just knew that, and he said, though I am free and belong to no man, I make my slave to everyone in order to win as many as possible. I become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. So he saw that what he was trying to do was build influence and build winsomeness. And in order to do so, he took on the mindset of what's important to the other person. Yeah. And that's such a good point that the way he's saying that I make myself a slave to everyone, that he's putting himself in a position of a servant, not saying that I bow down to all men, but saying that I'm a person who is willing to serve all those around me. And in my servanthood, that some, not all, but some will find something about me so attractive, so appealing that they will ask a question that yep. I could lead them to something better. And it's that servanthood which gives them the opportunity to lead them. Yep. And this is basically the point that you're making and you're going to make throughout the episode here is that the way you serve opens up the opportunity for you to even lead your leader. Yeah, so you first of all have to come with an idea that I'm here to gain influence and to help change them. In order for you to change them, you can't control that, right. but you make that one of the things that you see as you being salt and light mm -hmm. is you're there to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to make a difference, then you've got to say, how do I gain influence? Yeah. And one of the fastest paths to gaining influence is to just show respect. Mm. And respect is one of those things that's easily, easily lost and not often talked about. Well, it's often talked about, but it's not really deliberately, intentionally pursued. Right. You know, there was a study that I just learned about this week that an associate professor at Georgetown University, Christine Parath, conducted along with Harvard Business Review, and they studied 20,000 employees, and they found that if you want to get engagement in the employees, the one thing that leaders needed to demonstrate to get engagement in their employees was respect. Mm. 
And uh, they said that no other leadership behavior had a bigger effect on employees across the outcomes that they looked at. Respect was more important to employees than recognition and appreciation and even communicating an inspiring vision. Now, that's important for employees, but think about it in the opposite direction. How vital respect is to your boss. So I am going to postulate here that the way you get influence with your boss is to show them respect. Now, herein lies the rub because you've got a turkey for a boss. Mm-hmm. They're hard to respect. Yeah, You see them maybe berating people. Maybe yeah. their character is not the kind of character that you can trust easily. Maybe they're not the kind of person that you want to emulate. Their values may not be in align with yours. There might be a number of reasons why you don't respect them. And then this becomes the real problem. But here's the key. Respect is not earned. Mm. It is given. Mm. And I think our culture has corrupted that. You know, you often hear, oh, I just don't respect him. I mean, he hasn't done anything that caused me to respect him. And we think about respect being earned. Yeah. But if you look at the Bible, it doesn't talk about respect being earned. Respect is something that is given. Mm-hmm. First Peter 2 tells us, show proper respect to everyone. Mm-hmm. And we are to be respectful people. And in that same passage, it says to slaves and Slaves back then are kind of our modern equivalent of employer-employee relationship, except, you know, it's not indentured and you can choose whether you want to do that or not. But it says, show respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Mm. And that means that our call as believers is to show respect, even if it is hard to do so, Mm. even if it's costly even if we don't agree with what they're doing, we can still show them respect. And in Ephesians, it talks about doing it with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. So this idea of showing authentic respect. Mm -hmm. Now, getting to that is back to the Thomas A. Kempis quote, because we can't change someone else unless we can see how do we get to show a sincere level of respect to someone else. Right. One thing that I would point to is that a lot of times when you have a quote unquote turkey, (laughs) which I love that term as a boss, a lot of times the worst of the leaders that you'll find are positional leaders. And by that, I mean people who lead based on their position. They demand respect because I lord over you based on their position. They don't do any of the other level of leaderships that are out there. They lead from authority rather than influence. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So what happens is a lot of times I find people giving respect to their position rather than to their person. Mm -hmm. And I would say be weary of that because that kind of enables and kind of repeats that cycle of them being a positional leader. Try to be more intentional in respecting them as the person that they are and the character that they have because that almost encourages them to behave differently, at least with you. And if that's a possibility, I always encourage to take that because, I don't know, that's kind of what's worked for me. Not saying it was flawless by any means, but it was somewhat helpful in mentorship. Yeah, it's an interesting dilemma because it's hard to choose to respect someone who doesn't hold values and is not doing the things that you would choose to do and say, you know, I'm choosing to respect the person. And so it is easier to say, I'm going to choose to respect the office and the responsibility that they have. And I think that there's something important about 
being able to do that. I think in we've seen a real erosion of that kind of respect with respect to the presidency, for example. Right. I mean, 20, 30 years ago, you probably barely remember this, but <laughs> the office of the presidency was held with pretty high respect. And mm-hmm. I don't think that that's held in the same way no. anymore. I think right. there's so much vitriol around even the last few presidents that have had the office. Yeah that there's so much vitriol around their personality that any respect for the office is largely diminished. Yeah. And I think it's incumbent upon us to restore that because the Bible does talk about respecting those in authority because that's been assigned to them by God himself. So I don't have a problem so much respecting the office, but that isn't the same as saying that you're affirming leadership only by authority. But it is to say that, hey, I'm here to serve to that office. I report to that office. And I remember a time when my bosses had asked me to speak at a user group meeting and to deliver a message that I absolutely disagreed with. And I made (laughs) it clear, this is not going to go down well. Our customers are not going to like what you're asking me to tell them. And I fought it as well as I could. And then I said, but I report to you guys. I will carry that message. And predictably, they came at me tooth and nail, about 300 of them in a conference, at just basically standing up and saying, this is unacceptable. And so I had to take the heat wow. for delivering a message that I didn't agree with. Hmm. But because I was working in a company and I was reporting to a reporting structure, that was the thing I needed to do. Hmm. And that is respecting the office and respecting the responsibility that they hold with it. But I think there's other ways to show respect, too. And you can gain respect and give respect when you recognize and empathize the challenges that they are embracing and have in executing the responsibilities that they have. The fatigue, the decision-making, the responsibilities, they weigh heavy, heavy, heavy on many executives. And it's easy to do the armchair quarterback here. I would have done this if I were in the game, but it's so much different when you're in the game. Right. Everybody always assumes they're going to have so much more time to do so many different things that they don't do until you sit in that position. And then you realize I have no time. Yeah. I can't do any of the stuff that I thought I would be able to do in my ideal world that I imaginatively live in. Oh, yeah. We all would imagine that in a given situation, we would play it out differently. Right. And I think we can show respect by just showing humility and giving honor to the fact that somebody is playing a very, very hard game. Yeah. And supporting them in that. Yeah. The other aspect of respect there is just to understand that there's a presence of God and a grace of God and that we are in a relational situation where they're the boss and I'm not. And I have something I can learn from that, even if I may be more equipped. I might have higher emotional intelligence. I might have better values. I might have even better skill set or understanding about a business area. I mean, Mm -hmm. there are many, plenty of people who've ended up working for people who know less about the business than they do. (laughs) And that's hard to deal with. And it's hard to respect people like that, but you can respect the fact that that's the authority structure that you're under and you can give them respect. Now I was working one time for a woman and I'll tell you, she and I We didn't see eye to eye. She was a different kind of person. I didn't really understand her. We just didn't get it. You know what I'm saying? It was one of those times where we just, we couldn't connect. Yeah. It was like, she'd say one thing and I'd hear something else or think something else. And I was like, what? The priorities just didn't seem right. Right. It it was one of those 
kind of deals. And I know I was at that point where I kind of wanted to make my own mark. I wanted to be recognized. I wanted to have more responsibility. I wanted to kind of be seen as a hero and I wanted to have all the fancy assignments and I wanted her praise. And I think I was Mm. praise hungry and I didn't get it. And I was just really annoyed by it. And I remember listening to a consultant that came in one time and he talked about the importance of doing things that are visible and deemed important. And I thought about all the stuff that I wanted to do, and I thought about it from the perspective of, yeah, I I would like to make the stuff I deemed important visible. Hmm. But that wasn't his point. His point was, what's deemed important by your superiors? Hmm. And it got me shifting my mindset for the first time I realized, I'm not here to advance my career. Hmm. I am fundamentally here to advance my boss's career. And once I made that shift and said, look, as soon as I can find how can I make her successful, Mm. it made a huge, huge difference. I mean, like almost overnight, Mm. I started asking questions and finding things that were important to her and finding ways to help her in doing what she did Mm. within about maybe a year, 18 months after kind of making that mental shift from saying, I'm not here to support my career. I'm here to support hers. When I made that mental shift in direction, about that time she decided she was going to retire and leave the company, Hmm. and she recommended me to be the person to replace her. Above three other candidates who all had more experience, Hmm. I was the youngest guy, but yet she recommended me, and I ended up running the organization, about 60 people. As a consequence, I think, of the fact that I looked out for what was in her interest Hmm. to do so. And even though I wouldn't say she was relationally very good. She didn't communicate well. She had a harder time doing so. I had some skills in that area that I think exceeded hers. But because she started to believe and trust that I wasn't just after my own promotion, but I was after trying to help her be as successful as she could be, she was able to then let me help her in that way. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah, I bet that's a big shift from pushing your agenda to pushing her agenda. And, well, really being that servant for someone. Well, I can almost remember it to the day because it was almost like it was overnight that I, this realization that I have been here angry about stuff that hasn't happened because it hasn't served up to my interest. Yeah. And I realized I'm being so short-sighted because I'm really being paid to help further the company cause. And as soon as I get in line with not what my cause is, but what is hers, and likewise, helping her support her boss in that way, mm-hmm. that really made a huge, huge difference for me. Yeah. And it put a lot of things that I was stressful about at ease. <laughs> I bet. It, it really did. You know what the irony is? Is when we're the ones being led, we always think about why are they not doing X, Y, Z for us, right? Why yeah. are they not loyal to us? And as soon as we're the ones in leadership we always have an exact opposite mentality is why are they not loyal to us why are they not serving us it's always about us we never shift that, that mindset that's right it's it's you're looking up as why aren't they interested in me and you're looking down why aren't they following me better yep. but it's never about us serving right yes. and it's interesting that as soon as we make that mental shift that we serve them that they become loyal to us and that when we're in that position and we know what loyalty looks like exactly right and that's the whole idea of gaining that influence so if you believe that you're here to help change the world 
you can start by changing yourself mm-hmm. to become more winsome right. and give the greater opportunity for you to help change the world yeah. just within the context of the organization you're in. Yeah, and loyalty is always rewarded, so it's not a bad thing to serve. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I found that can really, really help is one of the best ways you can serve when you've got a boss who's just hard to work with, one of the best ways you can serve is to serve up some praise. That's true. Because not only give them respect and show the respect by finding ways to help them, but just praising people. Because you know what? We're not the only ones needing it. Yeah. Seriously. Leaders need it more. Oh, I talk to CEOs and I talk to pastors, and I have to tell you that every one of them is praise thirsty. Oh, absolutely. Because they hear all the problems of the organization. They're always problem solving, and they're just some of the most insecure people. Yeah. And yet... We don't think of it that way. It's kind of like the girl that is the pretty girl in high school that nobody takes out because everybody just assumes she's the pretty girl and everybody's taking her out. You know, it's kind of one of those deals where you just think, oh, they're so confident. They're the leaders and they've got all this stuff together and they don't possibly need praise, but nothing could be further than the truth. I remember Larry Julie and I having a conversation and I remember he said something so interesting to me where he was describing, I don't know, one of the bajillion CEOs that he sat down with. And he said, I remember at one point talking to the CEO of a really big business. And he said, it hit me in that moment of interviewing him and talking to him, how thankful I was that I was not called to be a CEO. He said, I literally, I prayed and thanked God in that moment that he did not call me to Mm -hmm. that role. Mm -hmm. And then he says to me, Armin, don't ask for what you don't want. Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks being a CEO is something special until they get there. But Unless you are called to that role, don't ask for that role. Yeah, be careful what you ask for. You may get it, right? Yeah, (laughs) and it's true. These people never get praised. They're so busy giving everyone else praise because it's literally their responsibility, right? Well, let me give you some suggestions on praising because I think when you praise your boss, it's a little different than praising your employees. Yeah, there's definitely a science to this because you don't want to look like a suck-up, I'm assuming. Well, that's exactly right. And what you're really trying to do, again, is you're trying to build influence. So you want to build it in an authentic way. And one of the first and easiest things to do when you're praising your boss is to do it in private. Yeah. Okay. You praise employees in public. Yeah. Okay. But it's different when you're the leader because your words have weight that others then see, okay, they're modeling the behavior. But if you're the subordinate, you do it in private because if you do it in public, you do become the suck up and it just, (laughs) it becomes easily discounted and yeah, you're that guy, right? So kings praise others in public when you're a pawn, do it in private. And when you do it that way, you open up the possibility when it's authentic Mm -hmm. that they will open up a crack and give you an opportunity to speak another word or to listen. It's so true. And that's really key. And, you know, we talked about in our mindset episode, praise for effort, you know, (laughs) not for character. Yeah. Or anything else, you just say, hey, that was really well done. And I think it's going to help our team a lot or whatever, you know. So when you can put it back to business results of something that they did, that's huge. And key, sparingly, you know, use it like salt. Ken, you're going to look like a suck up if you do it all the time. But wait for that really good time to say, you know what? I just want to close the door. I'm going to step into my boss's office. I'm going to shut the door because it's really important. And he's going to think I'm bringing a problem. Mm-hmm. And you go, you know what? I just got to tell you, what you did was truly remarkable. Yeah. And I just want to say, 
thank you. I think you really demonstrated great leadership, yeah. and I think it's going to help our team out by doing that. And that's all I wanted to say. Thanks. Yeah. And you leave. You know, yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing can be very, very good. But tie it to a why. If you can tie it to why it is a good thing, yeah. you know, it's going to help us move so much further. Or you may not be aware of this, but when you said those words, Sally, I know that's inspiring to her because yeah. she's wrestling with some stuff right now with Fred. Right and on. when you said that, man, that's going to break through. And I know I could tell from just looking at her that that made a difference. Right on. Stay stuff like that so it's in context. And it's not just frivolous praise, but it's tied to what it is that you know they're trying to accomplish in the business. And I'm telling you, doing something like that, a well-timed word, as the Bible says, has tremendous results. And I think that will open up a lot of opportunity for influence. Yeah. To your point, there's a lot of times where when somebody comes to you and you as the leader and they give you something super vague, that's a compliment or a praise or an encouragement, it almost feels a bit patronizing. Yeah, it is. It's very patronizing. You feel like they're almost babying you because you know, you're stressed out from some big event that happened and you've led the whole thing and it's the end of the day and they're part of your team. So they come to you and say, Hey man, thanks for your leadership, you know, and you stutter your way through it. And I'm kind of a jerk, so maybe this isn't good advice, but for me, I would do without that Mm -hmm. than get that, you know? Yeah. There's a difference between praising and patting on the back. Don't pat your boss on the back. Yeah. And Uh, give genuine, specific measured and timely, but not overdo it. In yeah. Race. Be specific. And, just like Larry is saying, give a why and just be genuine because that vague, ambiguous, meaningless, whatever types of praise, it's, it really, it backfires. I'll just say it that way. At least it does for me. But again, I'm kind of a jerk. Yeah. Well, on the flip side of that too, you've got the issue of when there's a conflict that might occur or something that the boss is doing that's going to create a problem. Boy, the key there, I think, is to follow the example of Nehemiah and just pray for an opportunity. And when the king says, speak, why are you concerned? (laughs) Nehemiah said, I was very much afraid. And it's okay to be afraid when you're talking to the boss because you know, you, what you want to do is be clear about what you're seeing and what effect it's going to have on the organization. I think when you do that and you do it in an authentic way, and I know I had those occasions with my boss where I had to have very in long conversations, in fact, in some cases, but I always tried to tie it back to why I felt it was making a difference for the organization so that it wasn't personal. And Mm -hmm. that's the key. Don't make it personal. Make it about what's best for the business and not what's best for you. Which is really hard to do. Yeah, it is. So, Well, we should probably wrap up with a challenge. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Shoot. Just look for an opportunity. You'll see it this week. Look for an opportunity this week to find a way that you can help your boss. Maybe something you wouldn't normally do. Something that isn't in your job description. Maybe it's even just an ask a question. And do it in an authentic way. And it might just start with prayer. Especially if you've got a boss you don't respect or you just can't stand the sight of. And you know, if it's really, really bad, maybe you need to look at listen to our episode about toxic relationships and (laughs) move on from it. But if it's a place where you feel God's calling you to, then he's calling you there to be a person of influence Mm -hmm. and find a way this week to just make that little bit of difference. And here's part B to this challenge that, if I may, is I would challenge you to do this encouragement, not for yourself, not for your own gain, not for your own advantage, but for their sake. Mm -hmm. Do it genuinely to encourage them, do it genuinely for them and not for you. And I say this for you because most leaders are intuitive enough to know if you're doing it for yourself for strategic purposes or if you're doing it for them. So for your sake, 
I challenge you, make it about them. Yeah, that's you. right on. Well, and if you do, and if you find that you're able to take on this challenge, we'd love for you to comment on our show notes about it at reinventure.me slash 66. Well, that is all the time. In fact, I think we're over time here for this show. Thanks for staying with us. I hope it was helpful. And if you like this episode, leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Tell your friends even better and call us. We want to hear from you. Any comments or questions, 612-314-5447. And remember to visit our show page at reinventure.me slash 66. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. And give us some examples that you might have used in dealing with uh, horrible bosses or a time when you've had to help your boss coach through a situation. So love to hear about those. That's all the time we have. Thanks for being with us for now. This is Larry Gates. And Armin Asadi. We're saying so long. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi.